It's a really good thing to be here. I was thinking one of the virtues of being in kind of a cloudy, dark cave and meditating, kind of like this zendo, is that when you realize the sunshine of the mind, you really realize it. So each day I want to talk about what I'm calling uh, practice virtues or uh, virtues of retreat. And I'll talk about one each day. And there's no particular order. Um, but today's especially, I feel like, relevant to the phase of, of session that we're in. I'm going to talk about primalness, basicness, I want to call it. And the cool kids don't want to be basic. Isn't that like an insult if you're basic? Not cool to be basic, though in Zen it's kind of cool to be basic, but in a different way. What I mean by basic or, or primalness is first nen existence. So in the Enmei Juku Kanangyo, Kanzeyon, Namo Butsu Yo Butsu, Enyo Butsu, Enbo Poso, Enjo Rakaga Jo Chonen, Kanzeyon Bonen, Kanzeyon Nennen Jushin Ki Nennen Furishin. So Nen is, it's whoop! It's this exact moment before you think about it before discrimination. So our practice with basicness is to exist, to be attuned to our already existing as Nen. Nen means mind moment. That's what the world is. Why is there a teaching of first Nen? Because we tend to live in second Nen or third Nen. Second Nen is the separation from that immediacy of your life. It's that first parting from it to become a, a witness, to analyze, to check it out. We don't want to just live our lives, we want to look at them too. We want to make souvenirs, we want to make meaning of them, so we separate. Even on a very subtle level, and we're in the second nen, and then we think about what we're thinking about. And then we think about that, and we're further and further away from. So basicness is this practice we're doing. Just existing in immediacy, attuning to immediacies existing. It's not something we can do. Rather, it's something we relax into. There's a certain kind of distress that's ended when we live in first nen. A certain kind of alienation that ends when we are not in this condition of always thinking about the life we're living, but we're just living it. Talking about just sensation, just sensation. The breath before interpretation, 
the feeling before interpretation, the sound before interpretation. And take that as an experiment to do with yourself in session, whether it's uh, physical pain is a good place to learn about first nen versus second nen, whether it's a feeling like uh, boredom. For me, boredom is this kind of giant monster certain kind of boredom I would hit in retreat, feel like this gray void would swallow me. But that's always second or third nen. It's not the... So we're doing that, that experiment of living in first nen. And it's kind of fun. And it's interesting. And it's good to do it. We're fortunate to do it in a forest with uh, all kinds of beings who are masters of first nen existence. You read some of the old uh, teachers, they would say the best thing to do is to go into the wild, to go into the forest to practice. I think it's because human culture is all second nen, third nen, and beyond. But when we're just with mountains and trees and rocks and birds and toads and coyote scat, it's just first nen. So, so we're in this experiment, and we can enjoy the taste of raw existing. It's not boring. Just to have a living body, just to be a living body is its own vibrancy. You don't even have to move and flail that living body around. Or compete with it just to be a living body as its own vibrancy, as its own dharma. Enjoying the taste of this raw existing, I think, is essential, or else we don't really like meditation that much. This is not the whole of what we're doing, just this, this primalness, this immediate... That's not the whole of what can open up for us, but we want to learn to uh, enjoy its taste, like when you can really appreciate the taste of water. You can drink so many nuanced and fine flavors, but there's something just about the taste of water, just the taste of your breath, the feeling of your bones in contact with the cushion. Just the sounds. I like to say it's consenting to simplicity because I think there's something in us that resists very much for parts of us this consenting to simplicity may feel like a kind of punishment or, you know, being put in the corner or being told to shut up or whatever. And so from the place of awareness, we're choosing, we're consenting this, to this basic condition. Bodhidharma said, if you wish to enter the way, become like wood or stone. It's just habitual human 
prejudice that looks at a stone or a piece of wood and says, dead. Just because something doesn't have two legs and flap its lips doesn't mean it's dead. This wood and stone is not about becoming flat. It's not about becoming unconscious. Dogen Zenji said, it's like meeting a person and not considering what they look like. He actually said that in response to um, a question. Someone asked him, what is, what is the awakened condition? It's like meeting a person and not considering what they look like. So there's something we can rest into that's more primal, more basic than our discriminating consciousness. And we rest into that through our own bodies, through the sounds, sights. I really love that. It's like meeting a person and not considering what they look like. And you can take that as a, a practice. As you move through your, your day in session, as your eyes meet and are met by various presences, just first in, nothing extra. You already know what things are. Already you know it's a bird. Already you know it's a breath. Already you know hot, cold. Actually, already you know good, bad. So basicness may be up against self-image's desire to be wise, clever, and intelligent. Um, instead of words like self or ego, I like self-image because it is an image. It's not more and it's not less. Whatever sense we have of ourselves, it's, that's what it is. It's a sense. And you can look right through it. And we can actually do quite well without it. So self-image, among other things, seems to have a desire to be wise, clever, and intelligent. There's a sense that it's better to be complex than to be simple. And so we come to the practice and we want to figure it out and we want to know a bunch of stuff. And maybe there's a mistrust of first nen, rejection of that basic simplicity. It can't be that simple. Feels something in us. It can't be that simple. So you could check out as you do Zazen the ways in which 
something complicates. Or another angle is it is this is a uh, practice to help us shed that complication to become just so. Basicness and self-image can have a belief in difficulty as necessity. That this has to be really hard. You might find yourself gritting your teeth as you cross the threshold of the zendo, ready to go to battle with your delusions. Prime for a struggle. I think it's helpful to talk about the hero consciousness. When hero consciousness meets dharma practice, then we need a dragon to slay. There's something that needs to be killed or overcome. For the hero, there's got to be other people who are competing for the princess. So you're looking around to see who's more basic. Imagining someone is further ahead of you, less ahead of you, equal to you. If you have a hero consciousness, you need a magic sword. Right? And related to that is the strategy of getting it right. Earlier I said there's no formula. The saying exist, tune into the existence of first nen. Is that a formula? Basicness is complicated by the belief in the self, self-image and its efforts at the center of the universe. Just check out for a moment or two. Sitting there, how little you're actually doing. So seeing is not something you're doing. Just notice that. You can move your the perspective that you see from, but you're not operating the eyes. Hearing is not something that you do. Even if you plug your ears, you can't stop it. The body feels. And how much control do you have over what arises in the mind? So for a moment, just be aware, letting go of the sense of doing hearing or seeing, feeling or breathing. Just let awareness do those things.
and the effort is just staying attuned, staying with the flow. And even that may not be necessary. I'm going to share with you a, a translation of the Third Ancestor's Faith Mind poem. It was translated by a poet named Stephen Berg. The way is hard when choosing, choosing. Don't like or dislike, everything's clear. One hair between them, earth, sky. Not for, not against, the truth is clear. For and against mind's worst disease. No rest. Deep meaning not understood. Space, just enough. Taking, rejecting, getting entangled as if it's real. Serene in the way, stop moving to rest, rest will be restless. Linger on either, the way is lost. Without the way, you're lost forever. Get rid of reality, sink deeper into the real. Clinging to nothingness denies what it is. Talk about it, think about it, it's far away. Not liking exhausts you. Feuds do nothing. Following the way, don't hate the senses. Perception is true. The wise do least. Folly shackles itself. Why prefer anything? Why be attached? Why thought and thought and thought and thought led you there? Ignorance is rest, unrest. No love, no hate, dream, ghost, flower in the air. Why try to hold it? Is, isn't, gain, loss. Let go of them. Not this or that, nothing but truth. The mysterious way dissolves memories. No beginning anywhere. No battles left. Movement is still. Then where is it? Stillness moves. Then where is it? Both gone, where is the way? No rules, all standards gone, action is action, doubts washed away. Nothing left over, nothing remembered. Don't speak, don't think, everything's known. Return to the root, the meaning's there. Seek the light, you'll lose its source. Look into yourself in a flash, what seems what is is yours. Don't look for truth. Give up your views. Is, isn't. No thought, no blame, no blame, no truce, no nothing, no thoughts. Who does what he does vanishes. Nothing is done. Who does what she does does it. Space is bright all by itself. No mind does it. No one understands this amazing sphere. Beyond yet here, the not-to is the best term, nothing apart. 
this truth was, before all, forever and never, see it or not, it's everywhere. To trust in the heart is the not to. The not to, to trust in the heart. No yesterday, no today, no tomorrow. So we could say we're navigating our intimate relationship with experience. Sometimes in sitting we find we're in this place of um, bearing or coping. And don't bear, don't cope, just inhabit. Inhabiting the texture of being. I've been talking about not um, focusing on, but just attuning. Try right now not focusing on your breath, just tune into its coming and going. That tuning into, that awareness and the breath are seamless. They're the same thing. Don't be mindful of the body. Just tune into the body's presence. And now, for contrast, try focusing on the breath. Try concentrating on the breath. Really see the difference there. What is it? What's the difference for you between attuning, tuning into, and focusing on? When we focus on, it seems we experience there to be two things. When we tune into, when we inhabit experience, It's undivided. So the practice of basicness is not all there is to Dharma. There are layers of this kind of uh, attunement. Where we begin by more continual abiding at that basic level. 
and it deepens through both steadiness and relaxation. There's something about commitment to that flow of simplicity. We stay committed to it. We're not trying to knock on its door or break it open so something else will happen. But in that constancy, that wakeful attunement, the physical opens up into the energetical. That is what seems so solid gives itself up as liveliness, as change, as happening. In a sense, anything that seems solid obstructs the freedom of awareness. Rather than smashing that solidity, we just stay steady. We get very close. And then it begins to dance. The breath is particles of liveliness. The body is particles of liveliness. The space, lively. So Zen Master Hongzhi, I'll read some of these teachings. I guess the best way to do it is to read it and then see if I have anything to say about it and then keep going. So it'll alternate between um, what this person said and what I think about that. This, this one's called the bright, boundless field. The field of boundless emptiness is what exists from the very beginning. The field of boundless emptiness is what exists from the very beginning. Here we are. It's not anywhere else. Here we are. You must purify, cure, grind down, or brush away all the tendencies you have fabricated into apparent habits. Then you can reside in the clear circle of brightness. Existing at that first Nen level all the apparent habits. And the flavor of session I hope we can create together is not one of of trying hard, not one of striving, not one of the hero's quest to slay delusion, but in opening to openness, 
field of boundless emptiness, which is right here. Then the apparent habits are just that. They're just thoughts. They're just sensations. They're just impulses, and we let them just blossom and fade. Then you can reside in the clear circle of brightness. Utter emptiness has no image. Upright independence does not rely on anything. Just expand and illuminate the original truth unconcerned by external conditions. We want to be unbudgingly open. Unbudgingly open. There's a doggedness to this openness. kind of constancy of presence is kind of like when you uh, have a dog and you do have like a piece of meat or a bone in your hand and you do that thing where you move it from side to side and the eyes of that dog do not budge. They're right there with that movement. And their ears are still open and their body is still fully alert. But they stay. They do not lose a bead for a moment. And that's the aspiration with existing in first nen. That's the aspiration with staying open. Those aren't two different things. Unconcerned by external conditions, the mind will easily procrastinate or decide for one reason or another, I can't. I can't. I'm too fill in the blank. Each of us has our version of I'm too, or it's too, or when I go to Nepal, or after my mother is Just expand and illuminate the original truth unconcerned by external conditions. It's very compassionate. Accordingly, we are told to realize that not a single thing exists. In this field, birth and death do not appear. When we think something is solidly existing, we get more intimate. Something comes up and we feel that we're, we're seized by it in our practice. An um, emotional obstacle, some repeating thought form, physical sensation. And because we depart from first nen, we think it exists, it's just there. There's my depression with a capital D, just existing. And it seems so because we're standing at a distance. But we get, we get closer. We inhabit granularly. And then the liveliness of that very thing that seemed to exist can show itself.
Hungjur continues, the deep source transparent down to the bottom can radiantly shine and can respond unencumbered. The subtlety of searing, seeing, the subtlety of seeing and hearing transcends mere colors and sounds. The whole affair functions without leaving traces and mirrors without obscurations. Very naturally, mind and dharmas emerge and harmonize. As soon as I speak, it's instantly heard. Turn your attention to your foot. There's a foot. The moment of breath and awareness of breath, that's one moment. And first, Nan, we're entering this deep pleasure of seamlessness. For our discriminating mind, everything is composed of parts, separate objects. Recognizes that is a camera and not a refrigerator full of hummus. That is Jim and not Jane. That's what the discriminating mind does and it will continue to do what it does. Yet awareness is a wholeness, attuned to the body as a whole. It's one field, attuned to the space of the room in that body. as one field, a point where one ends and the other begins cannot be attended to. Sounds and the awareness of sounds are seamless, thought and thinker seamless. As you sit, you're letting things kind of merge together. Letting them fall into a a smoothness by not focusing on, by not dividing your shoulder from your foot. by flowing in first nen. An ancient said that non-mind enacts and fulfills the way of non-mind. Enacting and fulfilling the way of non-mind, finally you can rest. With thoughts clear, sitting silently, wander into the center of the circle of wonder. Very beautiful, wander into the center of the circle of wonder. You can't just decide I'm gonna sit right down and then smack dab in the middle of that circle of the wonder, bring the brightness on. It doesn't work like that. But by this very personal and intimate navigation of 
of, of basicness, of letting things be as they are, be undivided. Find our way in. It's organic. Don't take your sword to it. Do please have, have confidence. The whole purpose of lineage is a transmission of confidence. Teachings like these and experiences like these have been reported for thousands of years. Nobody's making any money off us sitting here. There's no um, benefit to us being fooled. This is a transmission that comes down through all of these teachers for centuries and centuries, a gift, an invitation into our own a native freedom. The truth is we have to prove it to ourselves and there's no way to short circuit that.